Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show. Athletic Football Show is presented by State Farm, because like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today is Friday, January 14th. I'm Robert Mays. Fun show for you guys today. Fun shows for you guys today. Let me lay out kind of the roadmap that we're going to follow. We're going to do the Saturday games. We're going to preview them with Nate Tice on this show. And then we're also going to do our picks for all the games with Shield on this show. This might seem a little bit convoluted, but it just made more sense as we were recording. And we're going to break out a second show that previews the Sunday games. We're going to preview the Monday game later on this weekend. Full disclosure, uh, those who haven't seen or heard, I have COVID. So uh, I have been a little bit uh, worse for the wear this week. And I did not have as much time to prep for these as I might want to. So we're going to push the Monday preview uh, into the weekend. Still have a lot of bit of, a lot of time for you guys to dig into that as you're listening to our recaps of the Saturday and Sunday games. We will have recaps of the Saturday and Sunday wildcard games live after those games happen on YouTube the same way we would every single Sunday. We're just adding a Saturday to that. And Sheil is going to join me to recap the Monday game into Tuesday. You will see all of that in your feed. I know that's a lot to deal with, but I just wanted to lay that out for you guys. Joining me now to preview the wildcard Saturday games is my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I've always been lucky that I, I played quarterback from like second grade onward. So I was always calling the plays in the huddle and, you know, like, hey, like right there, it was like taking a play. Like I now understand what the receivers and offensive line go through where they're like, okay, all right. X short. Okay. X. Okay. All right. I got ready break. Like that's how, that's how that roadmap felt for the weekend, but I feel good. I feel good. We're on two, on two, ready break. There's gonna, there's a lot to deal with. You know, again, it's, uh, I was supposed to be in a couple of these games this weekend. That's not happening anymore. Um, you know, it's it's playoff time. Sometimes you got to play hurt. Sometimes yeah. you got to push through. So that's what's going to happen. <laughs> we are going to preview the Saturday wildcard games on this show. Before we do that, though, right before we started recording, the news came down that the Texans have fired David Culley. Here's how I think about this. Here's how I feel about this. I had a hard time paying attention to the Texans this year. No matter what they were doing, it was hard for me to care. And this is the reason. Because it felt like a fake season. There was nothing in my mind David Culley could do. What could David Culley have done to keep his job if the job he did wasn't enough? That's kind of how I feel about this, right? It's ridiculous that he yeah. got fired. If, yeah. if, the, if we're looking at this and we're looking at the job he did, it did not warrant his dismissal. But this was always going to be a fake season for the Texans. They hired him to run a fake team because this was a transitional year. That's how, that is how I feel about this. I think it's nonsense that they guaranteed him two years of his deal only to fire him based on how good of a job I think he did and how competitive that team was. But this always felt like a strange situation, a strange setup. And that's exactly how they did this. Like it just, it was never real. It was never going to be real. Yeah. It was a puppet state. Yes. That's what, that's exactly what it felt like the entire time. It was like, Hey, let's just, uh, just get some guys. We're competent. At least, you know, we're not going to be total embarrassments, but that's exactly it. The fact that he eked out, competency from this roster i mean you never watch them you're like oh my god the texans are a freaking train wreck they just beat the chargers a couple weeks ago i don't know that guy's out their defense like, was like solid doing it was stuff. solid all year and the offense had you know whether it was tyrod taylor or davis mills playing they at least were doing stuff like it was like you watch them you go oh that was cool oh that was, oh that looks good it's not guys running into each other like it's not guys like oh my god the offensive line can barely even, like block they're not great but it was like at least they did stuff and the two years guaranteed stuff was all you need to know about how they felt about David Coley as far as the decision makers with the Texans, because that's an assistant coach contract. 
And in the NFL, if you're a head coach, it's four years basically guaranteed, five years. Now we're doing seven-year contracts, six years and all that stuff. But typically four or five years, all of it getting paid out no matter what, unless you do something that's detrimental to the team. The fact that you only got two years guaranteed, that's how assistant coaches are getting, how, how their contracts work. You usually sign a two-year deal as an assistant coach or as a coordinator. Some get three, but usually it's two. That's kind of how they felt. They knew what this was. It's a puppet state. They were just kind of just getting, hey, guess through this year, whatever, like just whatever, whatever happens, happens. So he couldn't do any better than what he did. I mean, that is credit to him. Like you said, I was checked out on this team. I'd glance at him when I was trying to watch like the Jaguars offense, or I was trying to watch what the hell happened to the Chargers, but it wasn't like I was watching the Texans. So because what this they is always did, how it felt. It always felt that's like how it felt. They were just, they were going through the motions in order to set up what was going to be next. And yes. now, you know, we've seen the reports already that it feels like Brian Flores is going to be a favorite for this job. Shocking, right? I mean, this right. whole idea that they were setting up Patriots, Texas. I mean, it's like a flat, you know, it's a it's a franchise. Yeah. It's like it's like opening a, a Taco Bell. You know, that that's kind of what this feels like. <laughs> yes. they, like the Texans are franchisees of the Patriots. And that's if that's exactly. how they want to run this, that's fine. You know, I, I can Whatever. understand how they got to this point. But that's why it was hard to really care about this team this year is because this is always what it felt like. And they proved us right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is taco time to their Taco Bell. Like they're just, they're just it's a little knockoff version of, of what they uh, of what the real thing is going to be. So we'll see what happens. I know this this franchise can go in so many different directions. Do they keep Davis Mills? Do they try and find a quarterback like, you know, that's just that's just step one. And I think the Flores stuff seems like a done deal because McDaniels seems like he has the keys to the castle in New England. Unless, you know, unless something shocks us. But I don't think it is. I think we all see how the stars are aligning for this. All right. We're going to do Saturday games today. We're going to dig into all of them before we talk to Shield. Let's get to it. Raiders at Bengals, a game, again, I was very excited to go to. I am not going anymore. You look at this, it's kind of a, a strange set of wildcard games. We've seen all these games. You yeah. know, for the most part, it's a, lot of re- it's a lot of rematches. A lot has changed. You know, you have to kind of figure out which rematches matter, which rematches don't. You think about what this Bengals offense looked like the first time these two teams played each other. They had this very strange attachment to running the ball a lot and now we've seen Pounded. what they look like when they open it up and let joe joe burrow sling it around what is the first thing that kind of jumps out at you when you're thinking about this matchup uh i'm sure Bengals fans are tired of hearing about this but how well the offensive line holds up against <laughs> the raiders pass rush because that really is, I mean, one. is that's what it is though right that's when what you're thinking about that side of the ball where else can you start that's really it. I know. And watching the first matchup, even going against the Bengals passing game in that game. And honestly, like you said, it's like it's some of these games you take, you take some grains of salt with some things. You're like, oh, wow, that's that's really going to carry over. And some things you just throw out. There's going to be another game we talk about on Sunday that that that's like that or tomorrow's podcast uh, or that part B of our Friday podcast, I should say. But it's also it reminds you, it's like the season NFL seasons, really three mini seasons at once. Like it's, you know, the first six games, you know, or first six weeks, the second six weeks, the third six weeks. And that's what so much changes on this. Really, the thing that steps out is Max Crosby getting after the Joe Burrow and how much Joe Burrow can create on those broken plays, which is really one of his greatest strengths is his pocket movement and then creating off platform. This first game, you could see it was before he kind of found the, his moxie. Like, I mean, Burrow has that confidence to him no matter what, but really it was like they were getting after him. Like they really were every time they dropped back. And it was kind of like, oh, wow, that's right. You didn't, you guys don't just throw go balls play after play and hit them all the time. Um, I thought the Raiders, they really don't much, run much. We know that with Gus Bradley. They really didn't feel like they pressured a lot in their first matchup. So I think it's going to be a lot of cover three, a lot of single high, some quarters thrown in there uh, that they, they'll get to. And it's just how well can their corners hold up? Uh, I mean, that's where you go against this Bengals offense. They want to attack on the outsides. So how well can the Raiders corners hold up for 60 minutes against Jamar Chase and T Higgins? I think that's really how what it comes down to, because I think they the Spangles offense has found a different formula than what it was the first matchup when they're like, hey, we want to be balanced. It's like now they're like, no, screw that. We're chucking the ball and then we run the ball when we have the lead. Um, so I, I, that's really what it is. How well the Raiders corners hold up? How well the Bengals offensive line holds up? It's kind of funny. I mean, you, you think about it that way. You characterize the game that way. It's like, that oh, it seems overly simplistic. And then you think about the game they played against the Chargers last week. It's yep. not overly simplistic at all. And I remember yep. talking to Vance Joseph earlier this year, and we were talking about just the nature of cover three. And when you play a lot of cover three, this idea that it leaves you susceptible to throws down the field. 
But in reality, those are difficult throws. When you're forcing a team to hit those throws outside of the numbers, even if the space is theoretically there, those are not easy throws to hit. Just think of in your mind about that game that the Chargers played against the Raiders last week. How many balls are off hands? How many balls get tipped away? How how high the degree of difficulty is on some of these throws? And that's what we're talking about here. It's the same kind of deal. The Bengals have done a fantastic job of threading that needle this Mm -hmm. year, especially in the second half of the season, right? If you look at it, Burrow finished number one in EPA against single high coverages this year and number one in completion percentage over expectation. And just think about how many go balls, back shoulder balls, all that stuff they hit against those looks to Jamar Chase and to Higgins. It makes sense, but that's the exact matchup that's going to matter. So if you look at it, the first time these two teams played against each other, Burrow threw quick, according to next-gen stats. I don't know how they necessarily define that, but getting rid of the ball quickly on 72% of his attempts, which is his career high for a single game. (laughs) So his average completion in that game traveled 3.2 yards in the air, Mm -hmm. which was the third lowest mark of the entire week among quarterbacks. That makes sense when you're worried about your offensive line against that front four. The Raiders led the league in pressures this season while blitzing at the lowest rate in the NFL. That's hard to do. And now you're thinking about that matchup without Riley Reef playing. Now you have Isaiah Prince playing against Max Crosby, and you look at what Max Crosby did to Storm Norton last week, you're kind of setting up for a similar sort of experience here. So if the Bengals are going to be able to push the ball down the field, can they do it while being worried about holding up in patent pass protection? Like That's what this and game feels like to me. It's exactly it. I, uh, Bill Barnwell had a great stat in his article previewing these games, and it was Max Crosby had a 61.5% pass rush win rate, which was the highest of any player this entire year in any one week. So two, almost two-thirds, two out of three pass snaps, he was winning. Which is just, which it's is not going to get a lot better this week. Baby. It's not going to get it's, better. That's you'd say that the, always playing against a backup right tackle. Yep. Guess what he's doing this. Guess week? what he's doing again. <laughs> and and that was against the starter last time. So it's when the Bengals the one and I've I, I brought this up like three or four times on the show. The one thing that I was liking what they were doing when they started passing the ball more was doing those seven man pass protection yeah. sets. And what and they did it a little against the Raiders, but they only like once or twice. And I think I posted a clip Max Crosby winning because the chip didn't get there. But when on that protection, it's great against Spags and what the Chiefs wanted to do because it wads it up and you're able to attack downfield. What those running back and tight end are taught if they don't piss, uh, pick up anything in protection is chip on the outside on the tackles. So it's like, okay, they have a plan, but if it's a team that's not going to pressure you, now you're wasting those guys because now they're just they're checkdowns. No matter what, that's you can't run them on a real route after they protect, chip, and then the release. Um, so that's the thing is like, how are they going to help? If they're going to go to that, that's actually a win for the Raiders because they have seven guys in coverage, not five like the Chiefs were doing. So that's, I don't know, it's it's the ways that they're going to have to help them. Those guys are going to have to win on the outside, which they've done in one-on-one situations. But we said, we call them 50-50 balls, but really they're like 30-70 for the offense. They're not 50-50. A good player makes them 50-50. Do they keep winning those coin flips or really less than coin flips do they keep winning those that's what i mean that's it sounds like you said it sounds so simplistic but really that's what it feels like that's what it feels like i totally yeah when the raiders have the ball what's the number one thing that you're looking for this one was harder to pin down for me um the first time they played i was uh uh, well reverse engineering this because we recorded this already but talk about with shield is that the, the raiders offense was going so side to side and I, I didn't understand that. I, I think you're going, and also it was the Bengals were running so much man. And that was a lack of weird. respect. Huh? I mean, oh my God. Yeah. That's the ultimate lack of respect and not blitzing while doing it. They're just saying, you guys can't beat us in man. Like you guys don't have anybody that can win. And that's when Darren Waller was healthy in the first matchup. So that was really interesting to rewatch, to see that. Um, so really, I, I think stop with the side to side, side stuff. They're loading the box anyways. They're going to have the width to kind of counter all that, to run with the bubbles and all the goofy shit they wanted to do at that time. I think with the Raiders, it's running the ball. It's going to sound basic, but running the ball. But also they need Darren Waller to Hunter Renfro to win those one-on-ones. Like they need it. They Those over balls that we've seen Derek Carr hitting to Zay Jones, that needs to be Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro. Like they've hit a couple to Hunter Renfro, but Darren Waller needs to step up and win those man-to-man matchups because they were betting he wasn't going to do it last time. So I think just going down the field, Quick hitting PAs and shot plays. I think that's really their 
uh, down the field runs, you know, the duos of the world, the split zones of the world. That's the way they attack this defense and really just taking it at them. I think that's the formula. Really, probably the, when the Chargers beat the Bengals, that's the formula that, you know, that the Raiders uh, offensive staff should probably watch at you, at you, at you the entire game. If you're thinking about just X factors player wise, maybe a guy that is a little bit under the radar that you think could come up in a big way. Who's the first guy that comes to mind for you? I don't know if this is under the radar, but Darren Waller, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Pro Bowl tight end. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if it's under the radar, but it's it's X Factor his... doesn't have to be under the radar. It's the yeah. guy that you think could but, help determine the outcome of the game. I think that's yes. totally fair. I, I think that's yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, Waller is going to be huge for this game. If they want to play him, whether it's single high because they did some cover three as well or man, that's where tight ends running backs in the passing game come into play. Because that's just where the defense can be attacked, the seams, the digs, um, you know, just those areas of the field underneath stuff if they want to push backwards. So I think Darren Waller having a big game is going to be so huge for this Raiders team. I'm going with T. Higgins because of those 50-50 balls. Because of those, yeah. if they're going to force those hard-to-win types of attempts outside of the numbers and one-on-one situations, yep. can he be that ball winner? We've seen him be, right? I mean, yeah. that is... It's kind of that the coolest synergy about watching the Bengals offense is that you have a quarterback willing to trust his receivers and receivers who earn that trust. That's and awesome. that's what those guys have looked like in the second half of the season. You know, obviously the Jamar Chase splash plays are incredible, mm-hmm. but T. Higgins going up and really high pointing those balls and just out muscling people has been a big part of this as well. And I think yeah. if he can do that, if they can win those balls that the Chargers receivers didn't win last week then yes. they're going to win this game. I think that's yep. a huge part of it. Yeah. If that ball is getting attempted, if he's getting the ball off and not getting sacked, and they're making those plays, then it's over for the Raiders. Like That, yep. that is just going to be too much for them. All right, yep. if you were building a Raiders upset, and we've talked about most of these things, how would you do it? What is the Raiders' path to winning this game in your mind? Kind of what we hinted at already is getting the pressure on with rushing four, which they're going to rush for. Like that's yeah. their, that's their idea. That's what they, they do. The, yeah, that's what they do. Three blitzes, give or take a game. That's about what they do. Um, limit the big plays on the outside, which I think we can't pound away enough because that's really it. It's winning those go balls. That's I mean, that, it's going to be hilarious. Like it's almost like a high school game. Like just who wins the go balls? Is our guy better <laughs> than your guy? Let's see how how much we can do that. Limit the big plays on the outside. Derek Carr plays to his high-end self where he's pushing the ball down the field, getting chunk plays. This Bengals defense wants you to be meticulous because they think their offense can hit the big plays against you. So they want you to matriculate down the field, That the bend-don't-break kind of game. So hitting those chunk plays, creating explosives, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro tearing up the middle of the, the defense, finding the underneath stuff and winning after the ball, after the catch. And the run game just doing enough against this run defense because I do think you can get after this Bengals run defense if you kind of commit and find the right runs, it, it depends on the week is how they play their fronts. But if they find the right runs against them, just commitment to that game. So just playing within themselves, I guess that's the best way to put it. All right. Patriots at bills round three here. And unlike some of the other rematches that we're talking about, this one just happened. You know, there's not a lot of imagination here. It's not like, Oh, so much has changed and they're different versions of these teams. We watched this in week 16. You know, they're really yeah. the only shift here is that, the weather might put us in a scenario where it looks more like the first game. But in terms of what these teams look like, we just saw this game a couple weeks ago. I know. And, 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 you know, just, it doesn't really, it's so much fun. Sorry, just real quick, watching them on film, like watching Buffalo's all 22 angle and the new England's, you kind of like, it feels the same a little bit. Like, I don't know, like, the I don't color know, schemes it, are the same in the stadiums. Yeah. yeah the yeah, stadium yeah. feels yep. kind of the same. I know. Cause like, even when I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, this, oh, this was a new England. Oh shoot. That's right. Like, I don't know. Just like, I don't know. Just when you're not watching TV copies, you can kind of really get into those weird zones, but yeah, that's exactly watching this and watching these two units go at it. It's you take the the cold, cold, cold weather game with the three pass attempts from the Patriots and you take it with such a huge chunk of salt. But it's like watching the second game, the week 16 game. It's like this game feels like it's going to be in the middle, uh, like which is it kind of obvious. Does, right? It, yeah. Right. It just. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's going to be as open as that game was and is not as close. I think as the first matchup was. All right. Let's talk about when the Bills have the ball. What is the most interesting aspect of that matchup to you as we look at this? Man. Josh Allen, uh, <laughs> but it's really watching going that back team. and watching that game again this morning. 
he was a superhero in that game. I mean, it's, it's just I'll, I'll, we'll dig into some of the specifics, but yeah. that's kind of the ultimate takeaway. It's just like, holy shit, was he good that day? So good. Uh, and just finding an answer, how calm he was in the pocket that game. Like he didn't have the the happy feet that he can get sometimes. It was it was a quarterback, and then all of a sudden he would make the god tier plays like out of structure. It's just, it's just the perfect mix, mismatch of that. Well, that um, was I the, think that's how it felt to me was the blend of stuff. So if you look so at the cool. numbers on it, right, he was 7 of 12 for 100 yards on extended dropbacks. It was like his time to throw in that game was like 3.34 seconds. It was the second highest of the entire year. And that's what it felt like at times, it right? Did. He was making those plays when he needed to. But then I was expecting, going back and looking at some of the numbers, Patriots play so much man coverage, right? And mm-hmm. even against the Bills, still a dominant man coverage team. The Bills have been much worse against zone defenses this year. So yep. I assumed going back and watching – Oh, did he shred up the man? Is that what they, where they were best? It was the opposite of that. He was 16 of 20 against zone against the Patriots last time these two teams played. 6.5 air yards per attempt on those plays, but they went for 173 yards because he was taking what was there yes. so often and just really being efficient and deadly when they were sitting back. And then when they he did need to make one of those God-tier plays, he did it. So the formula and the blend of those two things, it was really the best version of him. And then you think about what he did as a runner. I mean, he yeah. ran the ball a dozen times in that game, and he did a lot with his legs in high leverage moments. It just, he's all over the place sometimes. We call him Captain Chaos for a reason. But when you watch what he was in that game, it's like, this is it. Like, this is the ideal version of yeah. him that I'm like holding in my mind. Yep, him in the bu- that him that game in the Bucks game where it was just like, oh my god, like that is that was like top tier quarterback play. That is such a good point. It's the zone and the man stuff because that was the game we really were like, Josh Allen was checking it down, yep. like he was just finding being so consistent and checking it down. When the when the I mean, the, you watch it, rewatching all those zone coverages, the Patriots intermediate defenders or linebackers and safety down if they had a down safety were pushing so far back. Why well, would not right? Like that's exactly that, how you should it play makes against sense. this team. Yes. And they're like, hey, we're, it was Bill Belichick going, let's make him work for it. And Josh Allen worked for it. And that was the thing. You could tell he got frustrated. I'm like, okay, we're going to run man here. And he's hitting the overthrow or he's scrambling. And it's like, that, that'll, that's really frustrating because they weren't blitzing him much. They, they, they held back from doing any of that. Um, and also, the real thing to note too was how, because it's always so interesting what Bill Belichick thinks of the other team's weapons when he runs that one double stuff, because they're doubling digs. And then they would have J.C. Jackson on Emmanuel Sanders. This is when Cole Beasley was out. So I'm so – that's why Isaiah McKenzie had that big game. That's where we're like, oh, man, he might be a athletic football show all-star. Like, he he's he, he got a nomination from that game was because he had Miles Bryant lined up on him a whole game. Yeah. And so it was like, but that's going to be such a key for this Bills offense is that who's the secondary guy that's going to step up. This is what Belichick wants. He wants to take away your, your number one, hopefully take away your number two, J.C. Jackson, who's playing – as good as corner as anyone in the league. Okay, does your number three weapon, like, does he find his way? Who's going to step up for the Bills? That's what's going to be so huge because Josh Allen showed that he can he can, he can torch them whether they run zone or man. So the other guys have to make plays for him if they run those man coverages and double the guys. So the one thing I'll say watching that game over again, there's a really good example early in the game. They had, if you're just imagining it, they had Diggs as the number one receiver on one side and they motioned him across. So the number mm-hmm. two receiver, Sanders, becomes the number one but he's in a condensed split, and they ran play action under center. They did that a lot in this game. They did. You know, you have this this, ver- this vision of the Bills' offense in your mind where it's all spread out, and even when they're running play action, which they do a lot, it's from the shotgun. They were condensed running some under center play action on early downs, and on this play, it was from about the 40-yard line, so you're in shot territory. Sanders, who has leverage because he's the number two receiver, runs straight down the field, and he was open. He was open for a shot play. Allen doesn't like it, checks it down. First down, nice game, right? Yeah. Those shots could be there. Yeah. That that they have a couple of them. There was that play, and then he missed Kumaro on another under center shot play out of play action for a touchdown. Yeah. So that that's kind of the interesting part of this is that we think that, man, the Bills offense played so well the last time these two teams played. They missed some shots. Yeah. And this is kind of the human nature aspect to it, right? If he's gonna check it down and check it down, check it down. Now, does the defense start to creep up a little bit? Are those shots there because right they're starting to squeeze? So that yep. those under center play action shots that they did not hit in the last game, can they hit one of them in this yep. game? Because that's the one thing that was left on the field 
last time these two teams played against each other. All right. I, I agree completely. Well, real quick, that was so so interesting and because uh, they leaned into it against the Jets as well, the Bills did um, when they played last week, was also in the, a little more of the heavy personnel, a little more 21. You know, they were sprinkling it in. Uh, uh, Reggie Gilman, uh, their fullback, fullback tight end, they, I think they call it both. He, he lines <laughs> because, up all over the place. Yeah, because yeah, he's 41. That's all he is. 41. Yeah. That's yeah. all you need to know. He wears 41. Um, he played nine snaps against the Patriots in week 16, then 15 snaps in week 17, then 18 snaps in week 18. And so it's like his usage, is his time on the field is getting a little bit of an uptick. So they're they just have this another little section in their play in their play call sheet. It's like, hey, we, we'll get to that on rundowns. Now they just don't have to be spreading out on 11 every single snap. And we've seen more McKenzie since that game. Yes. You know, even with Beasley back, you've seen him sprinkled in there. And I think that that's yep. smart. You know, when you have a team like this New England team where we've said this, you know, their linebackers are big, they're thumpers. Yep. Let's get on the perimeter. Let's get those yep. guys moving side to side. Running Let's away. Make them run. Running away. Yes. And I think I, you want to see that. And I just, that's the encouraging part about what this Buffalo team looks like right now. They have yep. more answers. They have more flavors yes. than they had when they were struggling early in the season. I think that's part of what makes them so dangerous. All right. Yep. Let's chat about the Patriots offense against the Bills defense here. First thing that comes to mind when you're thinking about this matchup. What was crazy to watch was the Bills defense running so much man and especially two man. Zero respect. Zero respect. That's zero none. (laughs) They were zero. They like watching. That's exactly what it felt like when you went back and rewatched that game. 70% man on third down. Is that what 70%. It felt like it, 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 they were running two man, which is what they what they were saying. And uh, this is what two man does. Two man makes quarterbacks make hero throws or scramble. You either got to throw deep field sail balls. It doesn't sound good for Mr. Mac. <laughs> or you got to scramble. What quarterback would you want to do that against? Yeah, Mac Jones. Like that's not exactly his strengths. He could probably throw those field balls. He can maybe throw a bender, but it's not like he doesn't have that. Like that's what. He can do it when it's perfect. So that's, I know. So it makes a lot of sense. They just lean back into it. I don't think the Patriots were ready for that. Josh McDaniels, because they didn't have any outbreakers. Like he had, I felt like Mac Jones, he finds the right throw. Like that's the one credit you can give to him always. His eyes are very good. So a lot of those two man snaps, you can tell him going like, well, shit. Like I'm, I've I've inbreakers and I have, you know, in two man because they play trail technique, which is inside leverage. So it's hard to have inbreakers against that. So that's what you could tell Mac Jones is like, I think this is my throw on this. And then you, it just didn't feel smooth. Like he, he operates on time. That's just how he wins. So they need guys, the Patriots need guys to win against man coverage. They have to run the ball like they did the first time if they want to play it this way. And, you know, there's uh, the, the Bills linebackers are playing so close to the line of scrimmage on rundowns. It was so funny. That's why you saw a lot of the side to side stuff. That is what to- they need to tap into. Oh, if I'm looking 20 at of them, if I, there are two aspects, three things, if I'm trying to build a recipe for when the Patriots have the ball, yeah. one, having Aguilar back matters. Like when yes. you watch that first game, the, the, the week 16 game, I know it seems silly that like Nelson Aguilar would be this hugely important thing. Speed. Those snaps going to him instead of Nikhil Harry, that's yes. big when you think about how little respect the Bills were showing them with how much man they were playing. Two, yeah. find Tremaine Edmonds. Like if yes. they're going to play man, Whoever, he lost Hunter, Hunter Henry in this game. He lost yep. Bolden a couple different times when tasked with covering Brandon Bolden. That is a matchup they need to take advantage of, yep. and you need to use their aggressiveness against them. You think yep. about that drive and the two plays that really stick out from the Week 16 game. One, fourth and one, the pitch out to yep. Harris for the conversion, <laughs> and yep. then they had the pitch out for the touchdown. You have to use some misdirection. You have to get the ball on the perimeter because if those linebackers are going to be tight to the line of scrimmage and they can get lost in the wash, you need to get them moving side to side, not just playing downhill. So if I'm trying to build it, like that's how I would think about what the Patriots offense needs to do. Uh, Yeah, thousand percent agree. And what we've seen sometimes that often like it's the Colts game that always just can be burned in my brain. Those trap run plays as well. I yep, think it's totally. Me. And that's the one thing the Patriots, it, it, credit to their offense, especially the run game, they can get to anything. Like they're good at zone, they're good at split zone, they're good at gap stuff, they're good at toss, you know, pin pull stuff. Like they, whatever flavor they need that week, they can get to trap like as well. And why that is, is because the Bills D line, especially at Oliver, flies upfield. Like that is what they're, that's what they do. That's just how they're taught. That's how their defense works. They fly upfield. So, like you said, use their aggressiveness against them, especially if they want the linebackers two yards away from the line of scrimmage because it's just they can get caught in the wash. And that's why that side to side stuff. 
I, I completely agree. They just they just really need to use that against them, and then you know have the play action shot off of it too. And trick plays. Play that close. I think you see at least two or three trick plays uh, from, from oh yeah in this game. I, I feel like, like that's pass. what you have to tap into. All yeah. right, X factor for you in this game. Uh, you already kind of mentioned him, Hunter Henry. I I think the Patriots need a guy that can win against man, and I think Hunter Henry is the best matchup for them. Um, as Aguilar can probably help take the top off the defense, which will then open up things for underneath stuff. That's the key to having a guy that can do that on your your eligibles. Um, as much as I love Kendrick Bourne, he isn't doing that. He runs a 4-6. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, he's an underneath guy. But I think Hunter Henry just, I mean, it's such a good, you already brought up Edmonds, that matchup that might happen. That's exactly it. Hunter Henry, if they're going to run two-man, he's going to get a nice matchup. He can get those outbreakers, those sail routes, those benders. He missed him. Um, there was the one sail route they ran, that corner route they had to Henry working against Edmonds, guy. and Mac missed it. So yep, that that is a throw that could be on the field for them. I think there's going to be two or three, though. So I, I see Hunter Henry being a, this being a huge game for him, and that's where I think they're going to get their explosive plays is through him. I had Emmanuel Sanders for the reasons that you said before. Who's the secondary receiving option in this yes. game? He's going to play, and... Jalen Mills might not play. He was on the COVID list. So if Jalen Mills does not play, and now you're starting to dig into that cornerback depth for New England, and J.C. Jackson shadows digs, which he, I think he has like two-thirds of the snaps this year. So are you going to see a backup corner having to deal with the secondary receiving options for the Bills? That is a big one to me. Another injury to watch, Isaiah Wynn is not practicing, dealing with a couple lower body injuries. So if we're thinking about, all the run plays they can get to and them kind of yep. establishing themselves. You're playing with the back left tackle, just something to keep in mind. All right. Yes. The Patriots will win this game if what? The secondary options don't do anything. Josh Allen goes straight to chaotic mode and not in a good way where the coin flips don't go in his way. He's better than a coin flip now. That's I shouldn't I shouldn't act like he's lucky. He creates the luck because he's so freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> like good players create their own luck, but they're not, um, and then the Patriots are able to move the chains on passing downs. They're able to get the third manageable, and they find their. They don't get to third and nine, third and eleven. They're in third and twos, third and threes, third and fours, and they're able to find the little designery stuff that works against that. The screens. They even had a screen in Nikhil Harry that could have been more if it wasn't Nikhil Harry. Uh, <laughs> but the secondary options find a way. Their defense. They don't. They kind of make uh, Josh Allen guess wrong when they check down. It's a tackle right away. And it's only three yards instead of a first down. He doesn't get the big explosive plays down the field. He misses those overthrows because it's windy or it's cold weather. They don't just get those gashes that they got a couple weeks ago. I think it's so funny because I think on the flip side, if I was saying the Bills will win this game, if and I had Josh Allen plays with the same mix of control and chaos we saw in week 16, where it's that perfect blend of when I need to pull a play out of my ass, I can do it. (laughs) But when you're giving it to me, I'll take it. And yeah. that is just such a hard needle to thread. It's, but when you see him playing like that, they're as scary as anybody. It's impossible to defend. It, it actually is impossible to defend if a quarterback's playing like that. Because he is not like a, like a Tom Brady right now operating from the pocket. It's Josh Allen can at any time create 20 yards with his legs at any pl- yeah. on any play, designed or undesigned. Especially or not if you're going to play man. Especially. If you're going to play man. Yep, that's exactly it. it it's, it's so hard to defend for 60 plays. All right, that's all we got for our Saturday games. It's time to get to our pick segment with Shield. All right, it is time now for our wild card pick segment. We've gotten all the way here, and oh boy, the lead has grown to a pretty troubling place. Shield, you went five three and zero last week, stacked on five more points to your already growing lead here. You're now up 43 and a half to 32 and a half on the season. We were trying to figure out before we started whether Nate is mathematically eliminated, but we're <laughs> going to do all the playoff games. So he still has a very slim shot, but you got to be feeling pretty good. Well, listen, no one chokes like me. I mean, I can't remember a time in my life where I've been in a situation as a front runner like this and didn't completely blow it, whether it was a sporting event, a competition like this. So there's a long way to go. I'm not feeling comfortable. Uh, yeah, I felt great about that 49ers pick last week. I knew Jimmy G was just going to lead him right down the field there and uh, give me the cover. 17 so nothing. Yeah, Got him right where you wanted it. I should probably donate to Jimmy G's uh, favorite uh, favorite charity or something because he he saved me there. So it, it was a good week, but uh, a long way to go for sure. 
You guys both donated to a charity last week. That's what happens when you miss your lock. Nate, you will be donating to a charity in which city this week? Uh, well, in the New England area. So I, uh, any of those that you want to qualify for. A lot of different options. A lot, lot of options. different options. <laughs> so again, an 11, and a half, 11 excuse me, an 11 point lead for Shield heading into the wild card round. We're going to pick all of these games. We're going to go in chronological order. feel like that is easier. So let's start with Raiders Bengals. Sheil, what do you got for the first game of Wild Card Weekend? I'm starting out. Huh? Okay, so yeah, we. Well, got the you Bengals. won last week. This is how yeah, it goes. I know. I'm not. I'm not used to this. Uh, the Bengals <laughs> are five and a half point favorites for this game. Of course, they met in Week 11. The Bengals won that game, 32 to 13. But it was a much closer game, I think, than the score indicated. And uh, that version of the Bengals kind of made me want to cry. I, I think we talked about it on this podcast in the weeks <laughs> we after. I'm just going, oh my gosh, Joe, you know, they're running the ball 38 times. They're not giving yep. Joe, putting enough on Joe Burrow's plate. Uh, I don't want to fall victim to recency bias, but I feel like something clicked with Zach Taylor, whether it was, hey, if we're going to go out, if someone had a conversation with him, if we're going to go out, I'm going to go out with the hand, with the ball in the hands of Joe Burrow. And so I'm buying that this is a different version, uh, a different team, and really a team that makes me smile. I mean, I have fallen in love with this team. Like, I love watching Burrow play. Uh, he fits my like quarterback aesthetic. Just all right. This guy is just fire. You know, when in doubt, just chuck it downfield, baby. Give those receivers <laughs> a chance. That's that's what I want to see, and it's worked well. And so. I like the Bengals in this game. I mean, that place is going to be juiced up. Uh, Raiders are a nice story. They've been competitive. Credit to them for getting in. Uh, I still, you know, I still don't buy that they're a great team. Now, there's a version of this game where their uh, defensive end, defensive end, their defensive line dominates, where Max Crosby has three sacks, and you're saying, shoot, they are totally in this game and could pull off the upset. But uh, I just trust Burrow a lot to get the ball out when he needs to, to avoid pressure when he needs to, to give his receivers a chance. So. Uh, not only am I taking the Bengals minus five and a oh, half. Oh man, right away, out of the gate strong. Out of the gate, I'm making this my lock of the week. Cincinnati, I've fallen in love with your team. Uh, what could go wrong? Oh my gosh. And it's the first Stop. game of the weekend. So there's a chance you're sk- it all- get it out you know of the way. That's it. Exactly. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Get it out of the way. You don't have to worry about it. Goodness gracious. All right, Nate, where are you on this game? Well, I, I, I do agree with exactly what Shields saying. This Bengals team, they kind of figured out a different formula for them. I do think the Bengals win this game, but I think the Raiders cover. Oh, I'm going to go baby. with the Raiders plus five and a half. I think this game is going to be tighter. It's going to be more like that first three and a half quarters of their first matchup where it was kind of a almost a slog for that Bengals offense. They I don't know if the Raiders have certain formula that works against them, but I do think the pass rush will get home more often than not. It really is. It's going to be on Burrow. Uh, I mean, it's it's the Burrow show. I mean, that old team run lives and dies by what he can do. So, but having said that, there's some ways I think this Raiders team has a path to victory, at least to keep it close, at least to make it tough on the Bengals offense, find enough plays through Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro to at least score a couple points more than they were the first game they played when they decided to just run side to side on every single snap. It was the most infuriating thing I've seen in a while. Uh, I actually had to check. I was like, was Gruden still there? Like making sure when 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 he resigned. So I had to like check was that his still offense, but no, it wasn't. Uh, but I, I I'm just gonna take the points here. I do think the Bengals are a better team. I think the Raiders have had a little more luck getting to this point, which is just insane um, that they're a playoff team. But I do think they're gonna take it tight, make it tight, and make make it more like a 2017 type of game. At least that's in my my fantasy land. That's where I, I'm living in. That's why I think this game's gonna be. So I'm gonna take the points. Raiders plus five and a half. Totally fair. Totally reasonable. Uh, Shield, we people can't see this right now because we're not on video. How big is the water bottle that you're just that you were just drinking out of right now? Yeah, this is this is a sixty four ouncer. <laughs> Any like hydration diet thing that someone recommends, I just do it. Like I'm the sucker who just say, oh. That. So my brother in law came down visited for the holidays. He he goes, yeah, I drink two of these sixty four ouncers a day. Guess who's on Amazon the next day ordering a sixty four ouncer? Uh, I'm a sucker, as constant listeners would probably. You, you feel you can't even hold it with both of your hands. It's like it's too a workout big for you to as well. You hydrate, mouth. yeah. You, you hydrate and then you drink. <laughs> I wish you guys could see this. And he took another it's, swing. It's, it's like gigantic. him trying to lift a barrel. It's like holding him holding a barrel, like an actual barrel of water that he's trying to drink out of right now. It's like Das right. Boot. Das God, boot that's incredible. Oh, what a moment. All right. Pat's Bills, second game of the weekend. Shield, what do you got for me? 
Ooh, I can't wait for this game. This is like my, my memories as a kid of like, I remember like sometimes having to shovel the snow, but I would have like the, the headphones in with the Walkman listening to a playoff game uh, on the radio uh, back in the day for our younger listeners. That was a thing that some people did. Uh, where where did you grow the, up? Uh, right, right down the street here. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't. Okay, all right. that suburbs. makes sense. Yep. All right. Yeah. So uh, this game, I believe it's going to be a high of eight degrees in Orchard Park oh uh, on, on Saturday. So uh, th- this is going to be fun. I-, I can't wait for this game, how it plays out. The first game, you had the three-pass game, which led to the, mo- the most fiery takes uh, of any game <laughs> this entire season. Oh and then the God. second matchup, like I think it was one of the best performances by a quarterback all season. Josh Allen just saying, I am putting this team on my back every high leverage situation i will win this game for us now what does round three bring us um i'm not sure i I think Allen is going to be a big factor as a runner but you know they're really built to be a team that like in warm weather if this was warm weather a dome or whatever i would feel comfortable taking the bills because i do think they can just go up and down the field if they avoid turnovers but in this situation in this weather with Bill Belichick as an underdog, uh, I'm not comfortable taking the four points with Buffalo. Even though I've been a believer in this Bills team all season long, I think they're better than their record indicates. Uh, I like the other side with the points. Now, I don't know who's going to win. If I had to just pick a winner, I think I would still pick the Bills. But with four points, I'm taking the Patriots to cover. This feels like an ugly field goal type game where just the the takes are fire at the end of it. Either it's going to be this Bill Belichick game plan belongs in the Hall of Fame. Sean McDermott should be fine. I mean, I, I'm so excited about what's going to come out of this game. But bottom line, I'm taking the Patriots plus four. I think they can keep it close. How hard is this for you? You've been beating the Bills drum all season. In those moments that were the lowest, you were the loudest person outside of Western New York being like, no, this team is for real. This team is as good as we think they are. This has got to be tough. It's got to be tough to go back on that a little bit when the, it's down to it. We're in the most yeah. crucial point of the season. They're going to win. I still like them to win. I still like them to, to make some noise. I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't made a Super Bowl pick, but I, I think they can get to the Super Bowl. But it's just the points. I mean, if it were three, I might be a little bit more comfortable. If it was like 28 degrees, I might be a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> Maybe it's just too much time around real football guys talking about wind and cold, and it's kind of seeped into my head, and I shouldn't worry that much about it. But I that's thought you were I a man of principle, I guess not. No, that just is just not waffling. true. I am not. <laughs> I can assure you I am not. Those true media stats don't care about wind chill. That's that's it. (laughs) All right, Nate, what are you thinking? I honestly, you could just pull a string because everything Shield just said was exactly what I was going to say. I'm taking the same side, Patriots plus four. And literally my note says, if this was three or two and a half, I would be all over the bills. And it's just like that extra point is just like scaring me a little bit. So I'm on the same side. I, I went back and forth on this game more than any other as far as betting-wise, spread-wise, prepping for the show. Um, I think the same thing. I think this is a bet on the defenses making it a slog on the other team. And it's you're betting, if you are betting the Bills, it's could Josh Allen go supernova. It's really funny, like like about cold games now as, as like more of a true neutral fan watching this. It's so much more enjoyable for me. And now I get what all these people talking about when they're like, oh my God, I used to love when Tom, Tom Coughlin's face looked like it was falling off. <laughs> and I was like, it sucks to be on the sideline. Like, I was a backup quarterback, so I had never stayed warm. Like, I would always have to, like, just be jumping up and down, kind of like, and it was like, hey, and, you know, next man up. It's like, I, you have to throw. Like, next man up. Like, can we, I get some snaps to warm my hands up? And then on top of that, when I was coaching, I finally went to the booth uh, my second year with the Raiders. Best thing ever. Love those cold weather games. <laughs> I'm up there. You take, you're like, oh, I got to take this jacket off. I'm a little too warm up here because I've been in a game where those Surface tablets froze. Like you can't write on them. Wow. They're like actually frozen. You can't switch to the next thing because they actually, it was too cold to do that. Just, just some things where it's like this cold weather is a lot better when I'm going to be sitting in Las Vegas yes. when it's 66 degrees. It's going to be great. But yeah, I'm not on the same side. Exactly what Shield said. I'm Patriots plus four. I see it the same way. Kind of like, I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a slog of a game. And I mean that as a good, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. It's now that, you know, the, obviously the Pats used to have home field advantage or they used to win the division every single year. So they host home playoff games and the weather Getting to Foxborough and getting back from that stadium when it was zero, five degrees, windy, snowy, it was miserable. Like, I'm just thinking of all the games. I've been to several playoff games there. Like, the Titans game that the, where they lost was the end of the Brady era. Just a miserable game. It was just wet yeah, and cold one. and nasty. Buffalo, the parking lot's right there. 
Everybody's <laughs> just walk right, right in suburban <laughs> stadium. It's totally fine. Not hard to get to. So thank for the writers out there, for the Matt Fairburns of the world now getting to go to that game in Buffalo instead of New England. I'm very happy for him. All right. It's a little things. It's a little exactly. things. Just a little things. It's a little things. It is. I, it's funny, though. I mean, Mina's take yesterday that the Bills would be better off if they built a dome for Josh Allen. Like, these are one of those games where thousand percent true. it's so funny that they have Absolutely. this. Uh, finesse is kind of a, a dirty word when it comes to football, but they do have this kind of finesse offense where yeah. if this was not an eight degree game if it was climate control in 72 with zero percent humidity be, or i guess what's the perfect humidity not zero percent whatever the, yeah but, whatever yeah. it is that's that's what you'd want here all right eagles is it, is it sorry real funny that's josh allen mahomes aaron Rodgers, like was brady now he's in tampa but they play in all these cold weather stuff it's like why can we get these guys in in the new orleans like at least herbert's got uh i was about to say san diego at least herbert's got la like and he's yeah. in a dome too it's like well, the funniest part about Rodgers though is that he crushes in these cold weather games it's ridiculous he's so used to he it throws better i mean i remember i've been to snow games there you remember when they played the eagles mm-hmm. a, a few years ago when jordy nelson was still there and it was snowing that day and it was in, at lambeau and they just ridiculous their passing game was just on fire even though it was snowy and cold i mean they just seem totally unaffected by it everyone else i mean josh allen hasn't been there long enough i think to be totally unaffected by snow but rogers like 15 years in he's like ah fuck it (laughs) it doesn't matter if it's cold they have their methods (laughs) all right eagles bucks shio what do you got for me well, it, it was First funny. First of all, going, can we imagine the Eagles are – can you believe that we're talking about an Eagles playoff game right I now? I can't. They didn't even have no. to play Week 18. I mean, I did not think this was in the realm of possibilities when the uh, when the season started. And it's funny, going back and watching that Week 6 game, like the Eagles offense is unrecognizable. I mean, yeah. It's crazy. We talked about not, it. I mean, it's just it's yeah. wild. It's almost not even worth watching that game. Exactly. No, I, I actually did out. quit. I, could, I was at halftime. I go, what am I – I'm not getting anything from this. I this did is the same not even, thing. Totally uh, their team. offense. So, um, you know, their credit to that. Them for adjusting completely what they did. Yep. They end up with the 11th ranked offense in DVOA. I mean, if you would have told me that before the season, I would have said, wow, Nick Sirianni did a heck of a job uh, with the offense. So it's not a juggernaut offense, but it's sort of the type of offense that you might want against this Bucks team because they're not the same run defense that they've been in the past. I think they're 12th uh, in rushing DVOA. And if you want to limit Tom Brady's possessions, well, that's kind of how the Eagles play every week anyway. It's, hey, let, let, let's you know grind out a 9, 10, 11 play drive. Let's run the ball. So I think that's going to be easy. What, what they're going to uh, not easy, but that it's easy to think of what their strategy is going to be offensively. Other side of the ball is where uh, I can't get there with the Eagles. You know, you can point to a bunch of numbers in the second half of the season and say, wow, they really improved and look at points and stuff. And I just, you know, made a list of the quarterbacks they faced in the second half of the season. And I'll just read them off real quick. Jake Fromm, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Trevor Simeon, Taylor Heineke, Mike Glennon, and Garrett Gilbert. Sorry, that wasn't the second half of the season. Those were the games where they had an above average defensive performance. That list I just read... One of those guys is Matt Ryan. Other than Matt Ryan, is anyone guaranteed to be a starter in yeah. the NFL next season? Uh, and didn't the Falcons I, finish dead last in offensive DVOA? Exactly. Or 31st so maybe not his, even Ryan, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. he's the one that where I'm like, all right, yeah, he'll probably be a starter. So uh, I just don't buy it. You know, I don't, I feel like to beat Brady or to contain Brady, either you're really clouding the picture for him uh, pre-snap and getting some of those high leverage plays like the Saints did, or you're very physical and you can kind of beat them up. That's not how the Eagles play. I mean, they've just been kind of a passive uh, defense for most of the season. So their best chance defensively is if their defensive line, if, if Fletcher Cox can get back to his form from, you know, pull out one of those games like we saw him have two, three years ago, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, if those guys can really dominate up front and, and create some chaos and you can limit Brady to eight or nine possessions instead of 11 or 12. I think they can be competitive, uh, but ultimately uh, I like the Bucks in this game uh, minus eight and a half. I feel like it could be somewhat close in the fourth quarter and then the Bucks kind of run away with it. I actually had to pick a score for this for a radio hit I just did, so I'll throw it out here. Bucks 33, uh, Eagles 24 for this game, so the Bucks cover. I could see that. I could see that version of it. I I have the same kind of concerns, and we talked about this game yep. earlier. Eight and a half is a big number to me. Nate, how do you feel about this? Well, I feel the exact same way as Shield, but I'm making this my lukewarm lock. Ooh, um, yeah, all right. spicy. I know. I tried every angle trying to like talk myself, all right, how the Eagles going to do this? And I do like what they're doing on offense just for what they are. Like They have an identity, which is like, that's – 
step one <laughs> for a lot of offenses or defenses. Like, all right, what's our what's our fastball? What is what we do? I think this Bucks team, they're getting a little bit healthier. They get the Shaq Barretts of the world. The linebackers are kind of like coming, you know, getting back in there. That's going to help, of course. I, It's one of those things where if I, if Todd Bowles, we, we talked about this earlier, Robert, if Todd Bowles plays how I think he should play this Eagles offense, they're going to dominate him. But if I if he does, lives in this other world of living in man, especially on rundowns, I think Jaylen, that gives Jalen Hurts a chance to do damage against them. So that's the thing. It's either I think it's either going to be a Bucks gigantic blowout, or it's going to be another slog game. Right? I, I I mean, it's really a high high chance the Bucks win this game. I mean, any way you shake it. But I think on the flip side, I like with the Bucks offense. It's Tom Brady still. The offensive line's still there. They that's like the D line for the Eagles has to win, but the strength of the Bucks offense is their offensive line right yeah. at this point in time. Um, I think this, I was trying to, I watched three games of this Eagles defense and I was like, okay, are they doing something different? But it's like, they're just playing shit passing games. <laughs> and it's like, it seems like, I mean, the Washington game, like they, their opening script, they were getting after them a little bit, but then they kind of like adjusted, yada, yada. So speak to the Eagles defense. I just can't, it's just like, I'm, I'm trying to find an angle to talk myself to the Eagles. I just really couldn't. Um, I think this, there's just so many paths to a Bucks blowout. And watch, this is going to be a 17-13 huge upset. Way to go, Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. But like that, <laughs> I can already see that happening. But I just think the path of the Bucks that can lead to a blowout, just how Tom Brady plays, he's willing to check it down. So, you know, the missing those other pieces like Godwin won't affect him in this type of game. Maybe down the playoffs, but maybe not this week. So I see it the same way, and it's my lukewarm lock. I'll be looking at charities in uh, Tampa pretty soon, too. Just going to cover all the pieces. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I'm involved in the uh, Philadelphia Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So there you go. If the Eagles uh, cover, boom, I, can, I can send you exactly the link right there. And, That's uh, perfect. You can donate to that one. All right. Big brothers, big sisters, boys and girls club. That's yeah. You got me. That's perfect. It's already stars are aligning. 49ers at Cowboys. What a game. We talked about yeah, that. Just like, wait. again, just like you've been saying it just like gives me chills. All yes. right. Shio, what do you got? Yeah, I, I can't wait for this game. I mean, so much star, star, star power, so much like big picture storylines. You know, are, are the Cowboys coordinators even going to be back with the team uh, next year? Is this Jimmy G's final game as a Niner or will this solidify? Will they be like, shoot, we're bringing him back uh, next year if we make a little playoff run? So there's so much at stake here. Uh, there's so many great players, honestly, for this game. I think I probably would have just said, all right, w which team's the underdog here? And I'm just going to take the points because I, I think they're so evenly matched here. I can I can paint a very clear picture for how each team wins. It, it sounds cliched and boring to say, but with the Niners, they've been very efficient when Garoppolo's been in there really for several years and this year. But can I paint a picture of he turns it over two times or three times and Micah Parsons is just in his face all game long or the Cowboys are playing robber coverage and he doesn't see the linebacker uh, underneath. And <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, you can see all those things. So it's really hard for me to say, uh, you know, the, the one thing that kind of pushed me to the Niner side is uh, I've been listening to Nate all season long and he nailed it before that. It was that Washington game, right? Where he said, I feel like the Cowboys are about to explode. And so I hear what you're saying. That's still in the back of my head, but I still look at their performance since so Dak returned from injury and it's been so inconsistent. I mean, they have not been able to string together two, three games of consistent offensive football. Whereas after the first six weeks of the season, I'm going, this team's winning. This is the best offense in football. There's no doubt about it. And so that is such a weird version of yeah, themselves. Like yeah. to get to this point and be so dangerous because we're scared of the defense yeah. is just <laughs> such a strange thing to reconcile yeah. when you think about how we talked about this team coming into the year. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so awesome. so it, it's planted some sort of seeds of doubt um, in my mind. And, you know, the 49ers just have so many, like, the blue chip play. Hopefully Trent Williams is fine, but then it's like all their best players are healthy here. Debo, George Kittle, Trent Williams, yes. Bosa, Warner, Armstead. I mean, that's like a... That's like a squad to take to a playoff game on the road and say, let's go. You know, those are those are the elite of the elite. And so uh, I'm going to count on a close game. I could see it going either way. I would be really surprised if either team won by like, you know, two possessions. This really feels like a one possession game for me. I was on the fence. It was really, like I said, I was just going to take whoever uh, was given the points here. And so I'm going to take the 49ers plus three. Nate, what do you got? It's tough. I, I can't blame you on that. Like it's the, my two first notes on this is this is so tough. And the second one was, I can't wait to watch it. Like that, yes. that just like those, that's my first thoughts. Cause it's like, if we were doing this in a normal week, 
I've learned my lesson to not bet the big games because then it just gives me something so I can just. But enjoy when they're them. all no big games, now, that's my not friend, how it works. I have to pick them all. Um, I'm actually on the opposite side. I'm at the Cowboys minus three. If you I'm did betting. not pick the Cowboys in this game, I would oh, yeah. bully you oh, yeah, into it. Just, you would be a oh, yeah, coward if you did not pick the Cowboys in this well, game. After the entire a, season we just went through, I would not let it happen. I would make you change it if you picked the Every flag Niners. I'm trying to plant, like, yeah, every every single one. No, I honestly, my big note on this is I'm betting on the offense not punching themselves in the nuts. That is really the Cowboys <laughs> offense I'm talking about because it, it's like we talked about earlier. the same thing is, about Jimmy G, though. <laughs> I know, right? So I, I said I, I want to actually actually ask, ask both of you guys. I said I'm betting on the Dr. Jekyll as opposed to Mr. Hyde. Does that work? Is Because Dr. Jekyll is supposed to be the good one. Mr. Hyde's like the monster. I can't so remember. I is that right? Yeah. 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 But <laughs> but I, I but does that work? Because Mr. Hyde, I guess, is more dangerous. I don't know. So yeah, anyways, but Mr. I'm, Hyde is more volatile. You just want the yeah. non-volatile. Honestly, non- that's, that's how I would describe the Niners game I'd want to see. I would want to see the Dr. Jekyll version of the Niners offense because I think that's the one that's really dangerous because I think right. their volatility is a little bit bigger when you consider the turnover aspect of it. And that's what I'm just hoping we talked about earlier, Brad. What you're betting on too is that the 49ers offense doesn't find their guy on, on the Cowboys defense. They don't find that matchup that's an advantage for them. They don't get the guy moving side to side with emotion and all the games, all the shift stuff in that run game. You know, it, take advantage of holes that can happen because their Cowboys defense is just so aggressive. Um, but yeah, I can also just see it where it's Parsons is just pushing that pocket. On, on on Brunskill, on Daniel Brunskill, and then also, I mean, every third down, every passing down, it's just, oh my God, he's going to die. Like, you know, like that, I could see that happening as well. So this game is going to be awesome, but I'm on the opposite side. I'm going to go Cowboys minus three and a coin flip. I'm just going to go with the team that I think just has that higher upside that they they do, even though I, I like what this 49ers team is right now. God, but honestly, you're watching that game back, the Rams 49ers game. That was like a playoff game in itself. Holy crap, just the energy both teams had. Yeah. And you could see it on a TV copy, probably because there's a lot of 49ers in there. But just watching back on film, everybody was into that game. Which yeah. was, it kind of it was like a nice appetizer for getting into this because I'm sure that atmosphere in Jerry World's going to be insane. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to watch this game. But yeah, Cowboys minus three. Um, All right. Going to be a great game. <laughs> Steelers at Chiefs. Lay it on me, show. I mean, listen, if you're a regular listener to the show – you know which side uh, I'm taking here. I, I'm pretty sure I know what side Nate's taking here, and we're not going to be uh, on the on the same side. It, something just feels right about a, a playoff game where I could take the Pittsburgh Steelers as underdogs with the way this season has gone. Listen, there's no case. I'm not going to give you X's and O's or analytics about why the Steelers can stay there's in this game. There's nothing rational about there's this There's nothing choice. rational. No, it, this is all about one man, Mike Tomlin, who has never had a losing season in the NFL in 15 years who has covered as an underdog 63.8% of the time in his career. Uh, They're already doing the stuff about, well, we can't win anyway. You know, I guess we'll just show up and see what happens. I love it. Give me all of that going into this game. And and I will say this, you know, as someone who who grew up into Philadelphia and went, uh, grew up in Philadelphia and went to Eagles games with uh, playoff games with Andy Reid as the coach, Andy Reid, great coach, Hall of Fame coach, there is, I feel, if there's one net you can pick about Andy Reid, it's that in these playoff games, when things don't go right right away, there's sort of a, a tight sphincter effect, I guess you could say. <laughs> a little intensity where you go, shoot, wait, we're not, this isn't going to go go wrong for us, is it? Right now, even in some of the games they've won, you know, the playoff games you think about it, they've won over the past few years, there's been those moments in the first half where you go, shoot, are they actually going to lose this game now? Mahomes really counteracts all of that, I think. But uh, I do feel like that kind of exists with uh, Andy Reid's team. And so it's just such a big number. I was like, well, what could the score be in the fourth quarter where I get a garbage time touchdown and cover? And I was like, well, if they're down, you know, 42-24 – and then they score a well, touchdown with like 37 seconds left. The then big I point up at the sky. And, <laughs> <That's you know. laughs> He's crying. Yeah, it's, it's very emotional for everybody. Uh, then I get the cover there. So uh, I'm taking the Steelers plus 12 and a half. Uh, I didn't really have to think too hard about, it. I mean, listen, I, I couldn't show up here if I was not going to take the Steelers plus 12 and a half after the way this season has gone. I just, I cannot wait until, you know, it's, it's third and 11 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> And he throws a, a ball eight yards short of the sticks. And the announcers are like, man, that might be the last time we see Ben Roethlisberger throw eight yards short of the sticks. Can you guys believe it? It's the last time. 
I, I, that's that's the moment that I'm really waiting for in this game. And a producer's right. like in their ear going, "Promise, please, like <laughs> Just, that it's gonna be his last." Pass. Please, yeah, please don't let him win this game so we see another week. Nate, oh, I, I assume man. I know which way you're going here. I don't even know how long we need to spend up. Are you taking Uh-oh. the points? Oh, I'm taking God. the points. Are you kidding? I am. <laughs> I know. I think this game. No, it's not. I tweeted this, but it's the no one believes in us angle. It's what the we don't believe doing? in us. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I just listen. There's, you understand this is what pure this means. Gut. You understand what this means. It means when the Steelers have the ball, you have to want them to score. That's that is what you're doing to yourself right now. Don't. This is. You are making such a mistake. This is not about whether you're right or wrong. This is about what you're doing to yourself during that three and a half hour stretch this weekend. I, I like oh, this is vision. you are going to regret this immediately. The Chiefs like are alive. Everybody, go bet the mortgage on the Chiefs. I know. I, I like what Shield said. I like the Shield angle where it's like, hey, they're up forty-two. You know, <laughs> they forty-two something. They score a garbage touchdown and they cover, it and it's eleven points. You know, and so it's like, okay, perfect. That that's the good way to see it. I know oh what I'm God. doing. What a mistake! I couldn't believe what, it. What a I just horrible, horrible. This is step pure, by you. I, the, this is pure gut because I just have a feeling this is going to be a shock fest. I just don't. There's something about this game that's just weird to me. I don't know what it is. Is TJ Watt playing like going to make it different? But we'll see once this, once the score is 24 nothing like in the first quarter, and then I'm just like, what did I just do to myself? Yeah, it was 30 to nothing in the third quarter like two weeks ago when they played. I can't. Perfect. I just, that's exactly what we want. I know. I know. I, I, I cannot wait. It's. Gonna, I swear to God. In the first I can't wait quarter, for the text. 17 to nothing. And I'm going to text you being like, what is wrong with what, you? What, what time like, is this I, game I, at? I told you so. I just cannot it's, wait to do it. All right. Nate, it's I'll, Sunday, Nate, I'll, it's I'll, Sunday I'll, night game. Oh, God. I'm going to cut my terrible towel in half. I'll mail you uh, half Perfect. of it. We can wait, both wave them by Sunday night. God, I couldn't God. believe I know you guys were both saying, oh, I, I, Nate's going to take the other side. And I'm like looking at my notes the whole time like, <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I, Shield making this decision is totally fine. Totally he makes is, sense. He was willing to live it. in this, and he has all season. This is yeah. a, I mean, it's kind of like a you were you know you adopted the dark, I was born in it sort of thing. Like Shield is made for this. You are not. You are yeah. not constructed to deal with this game well. I am. I feel I so bad for you already. All right. I know. I Monday know. night. I just went against everything I, I stand for. <laughs> Monday night, Cardinals at Rams. I was really looking forward to going to this game. <laughs> I was, oh, really, I was no. really looking forward to it. I know. My plans just totally derailed. All right. Shio, what do you got for me? This one was so tough for me. I mean, basically to me, this comes, I'm just going to take the contrarian pick on this. Uh, you know, I think I can't come up with a reason why the Cardinals should win this game in the last month of the season. If you look at their offensive numbers here in the last four games without DeAndre Hopkins, it's not like they slipped off a little. I mean, they've been a complete disaster here. So, Shield, good reasoning for Tate. That's the team you're taking. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I just look at it. I know we've had the Stafford conversation. Stafford, I thought, was fantastic for most of last week. I mean, that was the high-end version of him where you say, this guy can absolutely lead them to a Super Bowl. I'm I'm hoping that the Cardinals can maybe just get a turnover or two um, against him here. Maybe Kyler Murray can say it's like a nothing-to-lose situation. He's saying, I can put the team on my back uh, a little bit here. He has played against the well against the Rams so far this season. Honestly, it just came down to I can't see a lot of people taking the Cardinals in this game. And so if I'm ever on the fence, I'm like, if you're in a situation like that and you feel like everyone's going to be on one side and you're not sure, just go ahead and take the other side. I know that's not great reasoning, but again, this to me, I was just like, I'm on the fence. I'm taking the contrarian pick. Let's go ahead and take the Cardinals uh, plus four. Nate, what do you got for me? I think I'm on the opposite end of Nate for this one, I'm guessing. Nate, what do you got for me, bud? Yep, opposite end. I, I, yeah, we saw, <laughs> we saw the, uh, basically all the reasons you uh, are the negative sides of the Cardinals you just listed. That's kind of what I have kind of seen watching the games back. It's they don't have that easy button anymore. Um, the one thing that the Rams really struggle with is Troy Reader is absolutely terrible, and I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, that's really mean, but he's not good. Um, and the 49ers are the ones that can put them on an island and figure out ways to do that. The Cardinals, though, I don't trust what they do to take advantage of that. I, I see them more running their ball plays. They, they run mesh every week. They run these run plays every week. You know, it's not like they have these designery plays that are going to take advantage of outside the first 10, 12 plays that they have, you know, scripted. Um, I think this Rams team, they just have that high-end, high-end 
level of play, especially on offense. I feel like the offensive identity, they've kind of figured out what they are. Um, the O-line won't have as much problems with this Cardinals front as maybe, you know, the 49ers front gave them. So I, I think that the, it's a better matchup for the Rams and what they're doing this past month is six weeks ish. Um, I also just think the Cardinals just can't game plan around the Rams strengths on defense, you know, Ramsey and then Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Like that's the strength of their team. They're built around the stars. 49ers, the whole, their whole game plan was like avoid Jalen Ramsey. And they did it. They did as much as possible throughout the entire game. Cardinals, I just don't trust to do that. I just have never seen it with Cliff and the staff that they do that. It's Kyler, go do shit. Um, so I, I just am taking this Rams team. I think this Rams team is they have their deficiencies, and we're, we'll get into it later later in the week, Robert, or this weekend, Robert. But it's like they're not perfect. I don't think they have the high end as what I wanted because they're just they just have these glaring weaknesses that they can't aren't probably going to be able to fix this year. But I just don't think this Cardinals team can take advantage of that. So I'm betting on Stafford not having his three bonehead plays early on. The pick six when he's behind at his own 15 yard line, sack fumble at his own 20. Chandler Jones, the, let's that, go, Chandler Jones. That's it. It's really up to Chandler <laughs> Jones in this game. But yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Rams minus four. I think that this offense is going to be able to carry him to a nice victory, and the, they'll have enough speed on the defensive end. All right. So how many games are you guys on the opposite side of each other? I think three. Four. Right, Raiders, three Bengals were on the opposite side, and I've got the lock there. Patriots, Bills were on the same side. Eagles, Bucks were on the same side. Although Nate's got yep. the lock. Uh, yep. 49ers, Cowboys were on opposite, right? You took the Cowboys, right, Nate? I yep. did. Okay, yeah. so opposite there. And then uh, Chiefs, you guys both have the Steelers, and then Nate's yeah. on the, the Rams. So yeah, enough so to potentially yeah. swing this. Enough, yeah. enough differences. Enough. Yeah. We'll see what happens here. It makes yeah. it interesting this it weekend. It makes it interesting for the rest of the playoffs. Shield. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you all for listening. Just a heads up. Obviously, we hit these Saturday games on this show. We will have another show that is out right now covering the Sunday games. So please listen to that one as well. Really appreciate you guys checking in with us. Very excited about the weekend of football that we have ahead of us. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I sincerely appreciate that. Please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. Shield, what did you write this week? What should people go check out? Uh, Ted Wynn and I did a couple breakdowns on two of these games, 49ers, Cowboys, and Bills Patriots, kind of an X's and O's uh, analytics preview. So happy with that, how those turned out if anyone wants to check them out. Please go check those out. I'm sure you guys will be very happy that you did. We will be back. We are back with another show in the feed right now. So please go check that out. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.